God, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that we are unaware of. Lord, I thank you for what we tend to forget, Lord. Thank you for giving us a place to meet where we can assemble, Lord, and we can worship you, we can learn about you. Lord, help us to, to focus through all the distractions. Help us to see you, Lord, as you are where you are. Lord, show us who you are through your word. I pray that you carry the power of your preaching, Lord, and that uh, today you would do what only you can do. These things I ask your name. Amen. Amen. You do me a favor and hand those out. You want to help her with that, Hunter? Okay. Hey, how are y'all? Good. Is it getting warm in here yet? Well, I, I apologize. We only have one of three air conditioners for this space working, but I am glad you guys are here. I am glad you are here to be a part of what we're doing tonight. Um, these young ladies are handing out in the mix of power going out and trying to get everything set up tonight, I forgot to put out the prayer cards tonight. And I know some of you guys use those every week, so these ladies are handing those out. Can we give a hand for these ladies for doing that for us this evening? All right. Um, so because it's dark in here, you're going to see the beautiful glow of the iPad on my face the entire time. But that's, that's what, what's happening right now. Your third, okay. Um, I can't promise that cup's clean, but okay. All right. So, what book have we been studying? Yeah, man, it's not even on the screen and y'all got it right. I'm so proud of you. Who wrote the book? Daniel wrote the book. When do we believe this book was written? Around the 6th century BC. Who, who came in and conquered the Israelite nation? Babylon. And what's the name of their king? Nebuchadnezzar. That, that's, a, that's a fun one to say. Now, how old do we think Daniel and his buddies were when all this went down? Probably, probably around 15, 16, which means the part we're getting to tonight, they were probably around 17, 18 years old. So, so the same age as some of you juniors and seniors. And what's the, uh, what's the central theme in this entire book? God's sovereignty. It's this idea that, that God is in control. God is sovereign over humanity. God is sovereign over history. God is sovereign over everything. No matter what happens, whether it's something globally or whether it's something in your own personal life, God is in control. Even when it doesn't make sense. When things are going well, God is in control. When things feel like they're falling apart, God is still in control. And what we're going to do tonight is we walk through this passage. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 30. But what we're going to do is we're going to see Daniel does something over and over again tonight in this passage. And what he does is he keeps telling everyone around him, look at God. Everything that's going on, no matter what's happening, he keeps saying, look at God. In fact, I want to ask you guys, have, have y'all ever had one of those, those look at God moments? You know, the, the kind where when you look at the situation, you realize real quick the only reason things are happening or the way they're happening is because God is taking care of it. Because there's no way this would work out that way. There's no way that this would happen. Anybody ever have moments like that before? Okay. I, I want to encourage you, look for those moments. And here's why. Because if you will look for them, you will start seeing them. I started thinking back through my, my own life and, and, and the time married with Miss Kathleen and, and just started thinking through, what are some of those look at God moments? And the first one that came to mind, and you'll remember this, is when we decided we were going to go to seminary back in 2005. We we're going to sell our house in Jacksonville, move to Louisville, Kentucky, and, and just spend the next three years working on our seminary degrees. We had a lady come into our house, a realtor, who said, I can list your house for twice what you paid for it. 
And we literally, you know, the LOL, laugh out loud, we laughed out loud. We laughed in her face and said, you think you can do that? Go right ahead. And within about a month, she had a buyer for the price she listed it at. We were able to go to seminary, spend the next three years going to school, walk out of seminary with a master's degree between the two of us and not a dime of debt between the two of us. There's no way we could have done that. That's one of those look at God moments. You know, I think back to earlier this summer, first day of summer, Jared rolls Ethel. And if you don't know who Ethel is, Ethel was Jared's vehicle, the swagger wagon. And it was, Ethel, Ethel needed some help, okay? It wasn't the most beautiful thing on the world, but it got him, every time he'd hit the gas, it would jerk a little bit. Every time, he, he fixed that, yeah, permanently. <laughs> but first day of summer, Jared rolls Ethel. They think two to three times. Yes, two, three times? You want to make sure I get it right. Jared goes to the hospital in an ambulance, and the first thing we hear is the doctor's talking about surgery. Could be in a brace for eight to ten weeks. And yet, when we look back on it now, Jared had to wear a brace for six weeks. There was no surgery. Three compression fractures in his spine up here behind his shoulder blades. And you see him standing up here playing a keyboard tonight. The most upset thing Jared was all summer was the fact that he might not get to go to camp. Jared got to go to camp. And you know what else to me was a look at God moment, and I'm going to cry about this, and I don't need to, is watching some of you that were there with him help him that week. Help him set up his bunk when he shouldn't have been able to get in out of a bunk which, by the way, Caden, I still don't know how y'all did that, like, cross-beam thing. Like, a, you had to walk under a bridge to get to Jared's bed, and Caden was sleeping on top of it. It's kind of scary. But to watch some of you guys carry his chair in and out of service, to sit with him while he can't do some of the wreck that he was dying to do, to watch you guys sit with him and talk with him and help him have a good time. He still went swimming. <laughs> hey, if there was something, right? But the reason I say those things, guys, is, hey, sometimes we think those look at God moments are those really big things, and they are, because God shows up and God shows off. Sometimes those look at God moments are in the little things. And that's why I think about camp, and I think about somebody grabbing that chair out of the back of the van and carrying it in and setting it up. I think about you guys as y'all were gathering and we're walking across campus and somebody's on the three-tower aerial obstacle course and all of a sudden, the next thing I know, there's 20 of you guys standing around watching and cheering on and encouraging somebody that they can do what they think is impossible to do. Those are look-at-God moments. <laughs> That's true. Not going to argue with that. But those are look-at-God moments. And that's what I want you to think about tonight. That's what I want to think you about. Think, think you, think, sometimes me talking is a look at God moment. But that's what I want to encourage you to do. As you think about your life, as you think about the things that are happening, what are those look at God moments? I'm not always great at seeing those, but they're there. And if we look for those things, what we have is an opportunity to show other people we can say, hey, look at what God did here. We have an opportunity to bring glory to God and to point out who God is to other people simply by what he's doing. And that's exactly what we see Daniel do in this passage tonight.
If you haven't been with us, long story short, you've got the nation of Israel, the nation of Babylon came in, conquered Israel, took some of the best, the brightest of the young people back to Babylon, and they're going to train them. They're going to teach them to be Babylonians. They're going to wipe out all the education, all of the things that they knew. They're going to make them be Babylonians, and then they're going to send them back to Israel to take over so that they've conquered these people. And in the process, you've got a couple young men who have, who have gotten a, God's worked in their lives and God's worked in the lives of the people who took them captive. And, and they've been able to honor God with some of their choices, even though they're in this foreign culture that's completely against everything they've known for their entire lives. And now you've got a situation where that king, Nebuchadnezzar, that crazy name we talked about earlier, he has a dream. And in this culture, dreams, they believe, meant something. It meant that the king was having some kind of vision about some way to rule his kingdom in the future. So he calls all of his wise men and he says, hey, all of you, I need you to tell me what this dream means. But he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say, tell me what the dream, he makes it even harder. He says, I don't want you to just tell me what the dream means. I want you to tell me what the dream was. Because, I mean, let's be real. You can make up anything you want when somebody says, hey, tell me what this dream meant. You can make it say anything you want to, kind of like poetry we talked about last week. You can make it say anything you want it to. But the king says, no, I need to know that you can tell me the dream so that I can trust your interpretation. And, and what he tells them to do, it's something that seems impossible. It's kind of like this, guys. At some point, and this never happened to me, I'm just saying this now, at some point you may have a girlfriend or a significant other who is female. And that individual may seem upset with you. And you may go to that individual and say, are you upset with me? And they'll say, no, I'm fine. And you'll look at them and say, you don't look fine. And then they'll respond this way. And again, this has never happened in my marriage. Well, maybe the first part, not this part. But, maybe. But, then they will say, well, yes, I'm upset with you, but if you don't know why, I'm not going to tell you. You need to figure it out. Guys, I'm warning you, okay? If you've not experienced that, you might. Two pieces of advice. Number one, ladies, we are not that bright. Help us out. Tell us why you're mad, okay? Miss Corey's like, amen in the back. Number two, guys, be a little bit kinder, and you might not find yourself in that situation. Okay, just throwing that out there. But that kind of situation where it seems like there's no way I'm ever going to guess what the problem is, that's exactly the situation that Nebuchadnezzar puts these wise men in. There's no way they are ever going to know what it is that he dreamed. And, and the crazy thing is that they actually tell the king, they say, we can't tell you that. Oh, and by the way, all of the gods that we worship, even if they could help us tell you that, they're not here. So they're of no help right now either. So the king's mad. And what the king says is, I'm going to kill all the wise men in the kingdom. And yet when they come to kill Daniel and his friends, Daniel says, hold on. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Daniel had resolve because Daniel trusted God. Daniel had confidence that God was going to do what only God could do over and over again. We'll see that through this entire book. So Daniel says, tell the king, don't kill us. Make an appointment, and I'm going to come to the king, and I'm going to tell the king what his dream was, and then I'm going to tell him what his dream meant. Daniel hasn't talked to God at this point. Daniel hasn't talked to anybody else at this point. But Daniel is so confident in who God is and what God is going to do that that is how he responds and then he goes and he prays. 
and he gets his friends to pray. And what they do is they go before God, and God does only what God could do. Verse 19 tells us that God shows up, and God reveals it to Daniel. And God tells Daniel exactly what the dream is, and God tells Daniel exactly what the dream means, and that's where we're picking up in verse 20 here, because what Daniel does is Daniel starts to worship God for what God has done. His response is, look at God. Look at what he's done. And tonight, I've got Miss Morgan to come up here and read the passage for us. So if you would stand with us, we're at Daniel 2, chapter, or Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 30. Miss Morgan, let's get you a microphone here. If I can get it out of the stand. Try that. Perfect. You got okay. it. And we'll, ha- we'll have the, the, the light on there. So go ahead and follow along as Miss Morgan reads that for us. Okay. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known... To me, what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, "Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show you the king, and I will show the king the interpretation." Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, "I have found among the exiles from Judah." a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together. We thank you that we can spend time in your word, God, and I pray that We'll be different because we've been in your presence, because we've been in your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all give it up for Miss Morgan. Thank you. Hey, and she did, she did well, too. I asked her before she got up here tonight. I said, hey, did you practice those names? Because those are some hard names. She did a good job on those names. Like, you did better than I do some nights. So let's, take, let's, let's step back and let's just kind of walk through this and, and see how Daniel responds to this look at God situation. The first thing he does is, is he worships God. It says it right there in verse 20 and 21. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells in him. 
So right here, what Daniel does is he responds to God by, by worshiping God. And you see the view that Daniel has of God because you can see a couple different things that he points out here. He talks about this idea that, that, that God is eternal. He says, the name of God forever and ever, to who belong all wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Daniel's saying God is eternal. He's always been. He always will be. Another verse that talks about this is Psalm chapter 90, verse 2. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Daniel's pointing out that God is the one in control because God is the one that was there from before the beginning. God is the one that is there now, and God is the one that will be there forever. And he talks about this idea that God is omnipotent and God is omniscient, where he says, You are. Uh, you have, to you belong wisdom and might. You change the times and the seasons. He controls everything. There's nothing that's beyond God's ability to control and nothing that's beyond God's ability to know. Psalm 147.5 says this, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. See, God has power, God has might, and God has understanding that you and I, we can't even begin to comprehend and it's because God has all of that that he's able to speak into the life of Daniel and speak into Daniel's dream so that now Daniel can do what others have admitted no human should be able to do. But God can do it because God is the one that created man. God is the one that created the human brain. God is the one that created the human body. God is the one that can reveal those things because he is sovereign over all of those things. And he goes on, he talks about how he gives wisdom that we don't have. That's reminiscent of James 1.5 we heard a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. If you need wisdom in your life, your friends are great, but they are no wiser than you are. You need to go to the word of God. Because God is the one that gives wisdom. God has knowledge that none of us will ever have. Romans 1, or 11.33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. God knows what we will never know. God understands what we will never be able to comprehend. And yet God will provide for you and I when we ask him knowledge and wisdom that we need to live a life that honors him. That's exactly what he's doing here for Daniel. And look at what happens in verse 23. He says, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel is saying right here, look at what God's done. Look, look at God. He's thanking God for equipping him with the ability to be able to interpret this dream, but not just interpret it, to even know what the dream is. God showed up and God answered the prayers of Daniel and his friends because God always answers prayers when his people pray to him. Now, let me make something clear. That doesn't mean we always get the answer we want from God. But God does always answer. Sometimes when you're asking God for something, the answer is yes. Sometimes God knows better for your life than you do. And the answer is no. And sometimes you need to wait just a little bit longer. 
But God always answers. And in this situation, God answered in exactly the way that Daniel and his friends were praying. And what Daniel does is Daniel tells everyone, you need to look at God. Look at verse 24. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. This is the same guy that came to Daniel and said, hey, the king told me I've got to kill all of you wise men. And he told Arioch, hey, don't do that right now. I want you to let me go see the king. I want you to let me make an appointment. And now he comes back to him and he says, don't kill the other guys because I can do what they can't. I can tell the king the things that he wants to know. All of those wise men had said, this is impossible. Daniel says, no, it's possible because God can. When no one else can, God can. And now he's saying, look at God. Look at what God's about to do. And look at the difference between Daniel's response and the response of this guy, Arioch, when he comes before Nebuchadnezzar in verse 25. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. What's Arioch doing here? Anybody know? What's that? That's exactly what he's doing. He's trying to give himself some cred. I can't talk like that. You're way cooler than I am. That's exactly what he's doing. He's saying, hey, king, I found the guy. Now, now remember, Daniel's the one that told Arioch, don't do this. Daniel's the one that has set this whole thing in motion. But Arioch's coming in now, and he's saying, look at me. Look what I did. Give me some credit here. Give me some attention. Give me some praise. We've all done that at some point in our life, haven't we? When you get a good grade on a test, you thought you were going to fail. When you succeed in a sport, when you catch the pass, when you kick the ball, when you score the basket or the goal, when you do all of those different things, we have those moments where this thought crosses our mind and you just sit there and you go, man, I'm good. And I know that's every person in this room because we're all guilty of it. Because we like that feeling. We like for other people to look at us and to think better of us. We like for other people to give us praise, to make us feel better about ourselves, to point out to everyone else around them, hey, look at me, because I'm pretty good. That's exactly what Arioch is doing. He's taking this, and instead of it being a look at God moment, he's saying, look at me. And yet Daniel is doing the exact opposite thing. Daniel has the opportunity to do that. He has the opportunity to walk in and say, King, I'm your guy right here. I can tell you the dream. I can tell you the interpretation. I'm going to take care of you so that you can take care of me. But that's not at all what Daniel does. Look at the next verse, 26. The king declared to Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in your bed are these. 
To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. So the king still has the same expectation of Daniel. When he comes in, he says, Daniel, can you do it? Everybody else has told me it's impossible. I'm going to kill him, but can you? Can you do what nobody else can do? And Daniel goes right here and provides this argument that's contrary to what the other wise men had told the king. What he has the ability to do now is to reveal the king's dreams and to let the king even know these dreams have to do with future events. That's what he's talking about when he says the latter days. He's saying, king, I know what your dream is and I know what your dream means and it does have to do with the future of you and your kingdom. And the crazy thing is, we haven't even gotten into the dream yet. We're going to do that next week. We'll finish out this chapter. But God is showing Daniel things that only God can show. And in verse 30, look at what Daniel says. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living. Stop there for a second. If you remember, way back in chapter one, when Daniel and his buddies went through their, their fast and they, they had the, the different food and they wouldn't eat the king's food and they came before the king and it said that the king saw those men and said that they were 10 times wiser and better than everyone else they had been brought in with. So the king has already looked at Daniel and thought, that guy's pretty sharp. That guy, he's, he's smarter than the other people. And what Daniel does right here is Daniel says, it's not me. I'm not the reason that I'm standing here right now. I'm not the reason that I'm able to tell you the things that I'm about to tell you. The reason that Daniel can do that is what he says right here in the second part of this verse. But in order that the interpretation may be known, may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. He says, look at God. That's what he's done all the way up until now. And that's what he's telling the king right now. Daniel has every opportunity to take the credit for what God has done. Every chance to make himself look better. To make himself better than his peers. To better his situation. To better his life. To get a leg up in the world. Daniel has every chance to do that. But all he does here is tell everyone, look at God. How often do you do that in your life? Are you looking for those moments when God does what only God can do? And when you find them, do you actually stop and think, look at God. Look at what God did in this situation. Look at what God did in this relationship. Look at what God did that only God could do. We have those opportunities every single day. Guys, that's what we do. Every time we celebrate life change and somebody gets baptized across the street, those are look at God moments. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, Nina got baptized and shared her testimony. Yeah, I just pointed you out to everybody. Shared her testimony. That's a look at God moment. This past Sunday, when, when um, where is she? When Natalie got baptized, that's a look at God moment. When Brooklyn came down front and said she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When Isla came down front and said she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those are look at God moments. And those are things that we celebrate. Because God has done what only God can do. And that's what we're called to do with our lives. 
We're called, if you say you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, to look for those moments, to look at God, and then to point other people towards Christ. It's not just look at what God did, it's look at who God is. Look at what Jesus has done. Our goal, our job as disciples is to point people to Jesus Christ. Because if you have experienced the forgiveness of your sin, of Jesus dying on the cross, giving his life, if you have experienced that in your life, why would you not want to tell other people, look at God? Because God's got it all together. When everything else is falling apart, when nothing else makes sense, if you will simply look at God, God's going to take care of you doesn't mean life's going to be great, doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, but it does mean the perfect one and the one who created you is taking care of your life. Are you doing that tonight? Are you looking at God in every situation? Are you looking at God in the little things that he does every single day? Guys, we're in a building right now. More than half of our lights are out. Our screens don't work. Computers are fried. Two of the three air conditioners, I'm lucky, I'm over here by the one that works, are working, or excuse me, are out. Only one of them's working. But look at God. We got a room full of people that came together for whatever reason you're here. And we've worshiped. And we've spent time praising God through song and through scripture. Look at God. Look at what he does. Look at how he orchestrates things. I could be really upset that we don't have lights and we don't have screens and nothing's working like I wanted it to. And you should have seen me 10 minutes before the service. I'm running to the children's building. I'm running to the refuge. I'm all over the place. But you gotta stop. And you gotta look at God and praise him for what he does that only God could do. And you gotta point other people to look at God. Tell them about who Jesus is. Tell them what he's done in your life. And then when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when they actually look at God and see that he will forgive them and they take advantage of that relationship and ask for God's forgiveness, now you get to point to someone else and say, look at God. Look at what God has done. If you're here tonight, and you're struggling to look at God, to look for those moments where he's working, I just want to pray for you tonight. And if you're here tonight and, and you're not looking at God at all because you've never looked at God, you've never put your faith and trust in him, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, <laughs> he wants to do that right now. Just ask the couple individuals that I named over the last couple weeks how God has worked in their lives. You know why? Because they decided to look at God and to keep looking at God. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're here tonight and you're struggling to look at God in just everyday life, you're struggling to find those moments where God is doing what only God can do, even the little things I want to ask you, nobody's looking around, just slip your hand up because I would love to pray for you. Say, I have trouble looking at God. 
have trouble finding those moments. Okay, thank you for being honest. You can put them down. All right, you can put them down. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one, but if you're here tonight, you struggle looking at God because you've never looked at God. You've never put your faith and trust in Him. You've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, but you're ready to start. You're ready to do that tonight. In a moment, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to double-dog dare you. Look at God. Go grab one of the adults in this room and let them pray with you and let them pray for you and let them show you what it looks like to put your faith and trust in Him and you'll be amazed at what you see when you simply choose to look at God. God, I thank you for this group. God, I thank you that we can come together tonight, that we can spend time just in your presence. God, thank you for this group, a group that only you could orchestrate and put together. God, I pray for every single person in this room tonight that raised their hand, that's struggling to look at you, to see where you're working, even in the small things. God, I pray right now that you will draw their attention towards your face. God, that you will help them see how you work in the small moments every single day. And God, for anybody in here tonight that they're not looking at you at all, God, because they don't have a relationship with you. God, I pray right now, draw their eyes and draw their heart. Help them to trust you. Help them to ask for your forgiveness. God, we ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Mm-hmm.